This episode is brought to you by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. Back in September, Russian President Vladimir Putin made a pretty stark warning to the West. Europeans would freeze if the G7 and others stuck to its energy sanctions against Russia. And at the time, Moscow's fossil fuel blackmail strategy appeared to be going well. European wholesale gas prices were high, plans were being drawn up to cut supplies, and there were major fears of rolling blackouts across the continent. But months later, as the new year gets underway, signs show that Europe is actually tentatively winning this global energy war, thanks to some weather luck and good preparation. And looking forward, European officials are actually saying they're somewhat optimistic about the outlook of this energy war, with some caveats. So today we chat with Politico's Charlie Cooper about how Europe is winning its energy war with Russia so far. It's Thursday, January 19th. Charlie, you're reporting how halfway through the first winter of Europe's energy war with Russia, Europe has actually fared better than almost anyone predicted. So how exactly is Europe pulling this off? I'd say for a combination of very expensive preparation and then a a whole lot of good luck as well. In the preparation file, there was this huge shift from Russian pipeline gas after Moscow basically shut off most of Europe's supply of gas via the pipelines. And a shift from that to global LNG, primarily from the US. And that offsets about three quarters of the 80 billion cubic meters that Europe was no longer getting from Russia. And there's been LNG terminals springing up in Germany that never had LNG terminals before. Six will be in place by the end of 2023. Others in Poland, Italy, Latvia. Also massive efforts to reduce the amount of gas that's used. High prices drove down gas consumption in just through sort of sheer market forces. So that's going to all on the preparation side. The luck side, that's been the weather. It's been an exceptionally mild winter across much of Europe for much of the winter season. And that's meant less need for fossil gas for heating. On top of that, it's been windy and wet in many places. That's good for wind energy, good for hydropower. And that's added up to, as of 18th of January, Europe's gas storage is being still 81% full. And gas prices are lower than they've been since the end of 2021 at around 60 euros per megawatt hour. Compare that to where they were at the peak of the, the price crisis back in summer 2022, which is 350 euros per megawatt hour or thereabouts. So a real change in the picture as we get to the halfway point of winter. And then on the other side of this, Russia, at least tentatively on the losing side of this energy war, we know that the West has implemented some countermeasures against Moscow. So can you remind us what those are and how effective they've been? Yeah, I mean, and it's still early days, and you're right to say tentative. I mean, it's kind of a victory so far, you could say. First of all, it's often forgotten there were no sanctions against Russian gas itself. That was Russia shutting off the gas. The sanctions that the West implemented that have been most effective have been those on oil. So in December, the EU banned all imports of Russian crude oil. Around half of Russia's crude exports in 2021 went to Europe. Now, almost nothing does because of that ban. There are a few exemptions. That coincided with the G7 price cap coming in. That's a price cap on Russian oil of $60 per barrel. That's enforced by G7 countries, plus Australia, plus the EU, 
banning their shipping and insurance firms from carrying Russian oil unless it's sold under that cap price. The key upshot uh, does appear to be a real hit to Russia's oil revenues. There's a, a think tank here in the EU, the Centre for Research on Energy and Clean Air. They estimated last week that it's costing Russia about 160 million euros per day. Putin admitted that the economy shrank 2.5% in 2022. He said that's better than some thought it would be, but a lot of economists think it's only going to get worse for Russia. And then in February, there's a further sanction, and that's on oil products. That's an EU ban on things like gasoline, diesel, jet fuel coming from Russia. So that's going to be another hit to the Kremlin's fossil fuel income. And so it is a fair to say that Putin's attempt to kind of play energy geopolitics at the moment, one could argue it, it is backfiring. And then, of course, premature to say Europe has outright won this energy war. But as far as the European officials you're talking to, I mean, how are they feeling kind of looking forward? How optimistic are they when it comes to the future of this energy war? Yeah, I mean, it, there's definitely a collective sigh of relief going around about this winter. I mean, there is a feeling among EU diplomats I speak to that Europe mustn't get complacent. It's good news for now. But this was never going to be a one winter energy war. For a few months now, there's been a kind of mantra going around that it's winter next year, 23-24. That's the real dangerous one. A lot will, of course, depend on how that winter goes on this winter. If there's a lot of gas still left in storage, then that means less gas that Europe has to buy on the global market and won't be driving up the price to the kind of crazy levels we saw last year. So you have to remember that only a few months ago, there was genuine fear of kind of rolling blackouts being a pretty common feature of winter in the EU. Energy experts were sort of saying that it wouldn't want to be in Europe this winter. And it really hasn't been that bad after all. So big sigh of relief, still some concerns for the year to come. Right. And then, of course, a caveat you mentioned in your reporting. So Europe's strong energy position so far has also come with a cost. So what are the costs? How are they impacting European support for Ukraine? Yeah, I mean, you don't win a war without putting a lot of money into weaponry and you don't win an energy war without throwing a lot of money at the situation. That is what Europe has done. I mean, both in terms of buying up loads and loads of LNG on the global market in a way that sort of drove prices to really insane levels in summer 2022. Gas was already super expensive before that, too expensive, in fact. And also, of course, households have been hit by high energy bills and that's led to governments across Europe having to step in and help businesses and households with those energy costs. Uh, there's a think tank in Brussels called Bruegel. They have an estimate that since kind of late 2021, the collective cost of all that subsidy and support to businesses and to households that governments have had to implement to combat this energy crisis is about 700 billion euros. Those kind of costs are not sustainable. It's got this huge fiscal risk coming down the track for a lot of governments if energy prices remained as high as they were at the worst times last year. So all the things we've talked about mean the prices of gas are now coming down and European governments are praying they stay that way because serious economic trouble coming down the track if those energy prices were to sort of get back up to where they were in 22 and if they were to stay there. So energy war, Europe is winning perhaps right now, but not without great cost. Also, new FERC chair Willie Phillips is pledging a transmission push in line with President Joe Biden's climate goals. On Wednesday, in his first public comments since becoming chair, Phillips promised he'd work to speed the deployment of power lines, a move he says is crucial to meeting the White House's aims of decarbonizing the entire U.S. power grid by 2035. Phillips is scheduled to lead his first meeting as FERC chair today. 
It is viewed as a moderate choice to take over the commission's top position after the exit of Chair Richard Glick. Environmental justice advocates had expressed their preference for Commissioner Allison Clements, whom they felt had more engaged with EJ organizations and communities. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Chevron, the human energy company. Did you know that Chevron is working with partners in California to convert the methane from cow waste into renewable natural gas that one day can help fuel trucks across the nation? Find out more at chevron.com slash RNG.